0: If you're not trying to improve and get better and do continuing education and change your approach and, you know, analyze how you do things and what can be done better and how you can improve customer service and in your, in your patient care, if you're not doing all that stuff on a regular basis, then you're not heading in the right direction.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Redesigning Normal podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Southern. Since COVID-19 hit in March of 2020, businesses have had to completely redesign how they operate in the new normal. With this show, we'll bring you interviews from leaders across a variety of industries to discuss the impacts the pandemic has had on their business, how they're adjusting, and how they're preparing for whatever the future may hold. Join us each week as we bring you a new expert interview. Each episode, we discuss how a different industry is adapting to these changing times. This episode is brought to you by Invisible Health Technologies. At Invisible Health Technologies, we believe that nothing is more important than our safety and security at work and in our communities. To achieve this, we implement groundbreaking technologies that play a vital role in helping us create cleaner, safer spaces for ourselves, our employees, and our children. With cutting edge health and safety technologies, we keep organizations safe in today's new normal. Prepare your business for the future today by contacting us at InvisibleHealthTechnologies.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Redesigning Normal podcast. My name is Andrew Southern. I'm your host. And today I am joined by Tim Janeko, who is the Regional Director for Southern New England at Professional Physical Therapy. Tim, thank you for joining me.
0: Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to chat today.
1: Absolutely. So can you tell our audience a little bit about your role at professional physical therapy and and what you do day to day?
0: So as a regional director of operations, I basically am in charge of 13 clinics, physical therapy clinics, outpatient physical therapy. So we do mainly orthopedic population clientele uh, referrals from doctors, and I manage the daily operations of those clinics. When we're open, when we're closed, obviously a lot of changes with the pandemic, but making sure all of those clinics run effectively, efficiently, productively, while maintaining exceptional patient care and
1: also customer service. Awesome. How did you find yourself in that role? That's a long one.
0: Um, I started way back, uh, graduated University of Miami in 1994, found myself in charge of a couple of clinics only a year later down in West Palm Beach. Started opening up my own clinics over, uh, you know, better part of a 10, 12 year period Then sold those clinics and moved up to Massachusetts because I was from the northeast and always wanted to get back to the northeast, uh, get closer to family. So I moved up this way, took over a partnership in a clinic that basically there were five clinics that were uh, in bankruptcy, built those clinics up to eight and sold them to professional physical therapy, and my business partner retired, and here I am today.
1: <laughs> wow. So so you're like very well versed in the physical therapy world.
0: Yes. In uh, all the good and all the bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever practiced as a physical therapist?
0: I Yes, I've been. Uh, so I've been a practicing PT for 27 years. I still actively treat patients. In fact, I treat Right now, roughly about thirty hours a week and you know, roughly about forty to forty five patients a week. So yeah, I'm 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 still knee deep.
1: So I'm gonna declare a little bit of ignorance here because I've never had to go through physical therapy. Who are your patients?
0: From a one year old up to a ninety five hundred year old. So obviously, you know, that running the whole gamut of those patients, there are different Challenges that each age group goes through you're from your weekend warriors, uh, you know, probably like you and me Who you, who continue to want to stay active and and don't stretch and stay in the shape that we should But then want to go still perform like we were 20, you know Our minds are always ahead of our bodies <laughs> most of the time to the Medicare patient that you know has balance challenges or to you know the younger athlete that may get hurt at school or, or deal with, say, some congenital problems like scoliosis. So there, there is a very wide range of patients that we see in the outpatient realm.
1: So, and I'm imagining that there is a, for of like a better term, like an arena or a studio with tools that you can bring somebody to and and sort of known concepts and exercises to target whatever the client needs. So if they have a balance problem, there's certain things you can do to help them learn or practice and hone their balance.
0: Yes, in fact, I I have that conversation with patients a lot because they're like, my balance is awful. And I said, well, that's one of the things that actually improves rather quickly when we practice it. We can all get stronger, we can have better endurance, but balance, you know, declines rapidly after about the age of 30 to 35 years old, and none of us stand around on one leg all the time practicing balance. And we don't realize how bad our balance is until they come in and we say, all right, well, well, let me see you stand on one foot. And some of them get very embarrassed at how poor their balance is, which leads to falls. And with falls comes a lot of other types of injuries, especially for the older clientele. And we'd spend a tremendous amount of healthcare dollars based on falls. So Medicare has been tracking falls for, geez, about 20 years now and seen a general decline in, in the number of falls. So that's been a very successful campaign for them. And we continue to do that today.
1: So that's something that people will, I imagine they come to you, but they're paid back from by the government?
0: So Medicare, if the patient has Medicare as an insurance, then we bill according to what we do that day in one-on-one physical therapy. And then we are reimbursed by Medicare. Usually it's an 80-20, so Medicare pays 80% of the bill. And then if the patient carries a secondary insurance, then the secondary pays 20%. If not, then it would be a cash for the patient to pay the 20%.
1: Are there shops out there that are like all private insurance or or private payment physical therapists that don't do the sort of like Medicare programs. Okay. Yeah.
0: Because that's the interesting thing about physical therapy is if the same client came to us with 10 different insurances, they could get the same care, but we would be reimbursed at 10 different rates depending on the insurance company. So it's, you know, it's kind of like you walking into a grocery store and I'm going to go buy the same amount of food you get the same stuff in your cart, I get the same stuff in my cart, but when we go to checkout, you pay $50 and I pay $40, but we're getting the same stuff.
1: It's like pre-negotiated price of lettuce or something, right? And and so if you do like 20 sessions in a week, it's not like you can't just take 20 times whatever the income is, because the income's fluctuating depending on that patient's payout. Correct, so
0: it's, It's fluctuating based on the insurance. It's also fluctuating based on the care. So we code things differently.
1: Got it. Got
0: it. We're doing strengthening exercises versus balance exercises during functional activities. We get paid different rates for each one of those, and they come in 15-minute codes.
1: Let me bring it back a little bit to February, March, 2020. And you guys are probably humming along because I imagine that physical therapy is sort of an evergreen kind of thing, right? People need it all year round. It's a consistent business.
0: 100% of people will need PT sometime in their life.
1: Okay. So there we go. (laughs) And then there's a pandemic that starts to shut things down. Like I remember the NBA like shutting down and being like, wait, what? (laughs) Right? Like that would seem to be like the serious moment. I think where everybody was like, huh? What happened around that time for your business?
0: It was kind of a surreal experience, in, you know, watching the rest of the world react never thinking that it would ever come to the point that it did. And obviously we all know in hindsight how, how bad it got and obviously improving from here. But our business went down about 60, 65% within a week or two. We did not shut down because we were listed as essential. Because think about it, say, you know, on March 1st last year, you had a rotator cuff repair. You know, massive rotator cuff surgery, and a couple of weeks later, you know, say you couldn't go to physical therapy, well, you'd be you'd be in really bad shape because you'd end up with a frozen shoulder. You just went through a major reconstruction, and all that would be for naught because we wouldn't be able to rehab the injury. So the people who had surgeries had to get treated. So we it's like it's essential, completely. Yes, example.
1: Is there such thing as like elective physical therapy? Like people that could. Potentially cancel their appointments because they don't need to like, you know, get this thing moving on a regular basis post-surgery
0: It's amazing because there's so many people that come to us 8 10 12 months into an injury or a problem and You know if they had just come to us in the first couple of weeks we could get that that challenge better very quickly, but now when it's been 8 10 12 months then there's all kinds of patterns that change in their life and now they've compensated with other things. So those types of people take a lot longer. Now you could count all of them as elective because you know they've been living with it for 10, 12 months. But it came to the point that either pain or loss of function, they crossed that threshold of, okay, I can't deal with this anymore. And that's when they usually come to PT. If they would just come in a lot earlier, we'd actually get them better a lot quicker and they wouldn't spend so much time in therapy.
1: Were your clinics allowed to stay open as yes. a essential service? Okay. The follow-up question would be what became the sort of customers, maybe their worries or their concerns to you or to the clinics about coming?
0: Well, there's twofold. So we transferred a decent amount of patient to telehealth. So and that was a little bit of a challenge as well. You and I are talking right now and are on video and can see each other. But if I'm going to sit there and start to give Andrew a bunch of exercises, one of the big cornerstones of physical therapy that's that's very helpful is hands on. Well, I obviously can't touch you where you're sitting right now. So I have to be able to um, pivot into a telehealth type of a visit where I can start to treat you over the phone. I'd have you stand back and I'd have you, you know, raise, say we're treating a shoulder, raise your arm or do different stuff and, we, you know, give you bands or weights or if, there was, if you didn't have any bands or weights at home, might use soup cans or gallons of milk or different things in order to, you know, to put you under load. So we had to pivot into the telehealth and then also for the patients that were in-house, we obviously had to make them feel safe. So mask wearing. We also started fumigating a lot of our clinics on a regular basis so that we, you know, in in case we had any exposures whatsoever, we started taking temperatures when patients walked in the door, asking them the typical questions about whether they traveled or whether they had any symptoms. And obviously, uh, that's morphed, you know, every month, every month we would have new criteria that came out based on what the CDC or what, you know, Fauci said, those types of things, so what the different Criteria was, and it even changed by state. We're in five states, so New York gave us different criteria than Massachusetts, than Connecticut, than New Hampshire, than New Jersey. It was a lot of a lot of pivoting, a lot of transitioning, a lot of jumping through hoops. But you know, we made it through, and I, th- I think we did a pretty good job of it too.
1: Cool. Who, who was responsible for interpreting all the things that were coming at you, all the inputs, and then making changes for the you know Massachusetts branches versus the main branches or whatever, like who is doing that sort of coordination?
0: I think that was a kind of a group of us together. So the regional directors, um, regional vice presidents, you know, the COO, the CEO, um, human resources. So we all stayed on top of what the different criteria was and then we would release kind of like a weekly update or a bi-weekly update to the rest of the staff and an email blast Here's the new criteria. And especially when you're dropping states off on the no travel list. So it's just, we, you know, we would basically copy and paste from a lot of the the national sites or the statewide sites. Uh, but we would do that as a team and we'd get together and put those together and then put the blast out. So it was, there was no specific person in charge. Let's put it that way.
1: Right. And then the last part of that chain is to then like communicate to your customers what to expect when they come on Wednesday.
0: Yeah, because they turn around and especially when, when, you know, people started to travel again, they'd say, okay, well, I'm in the middle of therapy and I'm going to, if I'm in Massachusetts, I have to go to New York. What's going to happen when I come home? Like, what do I have to do to get back into therapy? And sometimes it would be a negative test. They'd have to go get tested and, and, you know, and tell us that they got the negative test. We very rarely actually had them produce the test, but most people around, they're good on people. So they, you know, they... To our knowledge, they weren't pulling a wool over our eyes, but uh, we would still take their temperature, we'd still ask about symptoms. and then sometimes patients would call and say, "Hey, I just got symptoms today and I tested positive and then we may have to quarantine depending on what the exposure level was and we'd have to uh, let other patients know who were in the space at the same time as their appointment um, because we wipe surfaces down. I can't tell you how many how much cleaning solution we've gone through over the right. last year. Yeah, I can imagine. Yes, and I keep saying that we're going to have no bacteria or anything in our system when this is all over with because we've killed everything on every surface in every clinic. So
1: <laughs> What does a clinic look like? Is it a big open space? We have
0: clinics that are, you know, a thousand square feet to clinics up to six, seven, eight thousand square feet. We have some clinics with pools. We have clinics without pools. We have clinics that have a ton of equipment. We have other clinics that don't have as much equipment. That's the interesting thing about physical therapy is there's more than one way to skin a cat. You know, if you had a shoulder problem and you went to myself or five other therapists, we might treat you five or six different ways, okay. but still get a, you know, still get a great outcome. I think that's one of the problems with PT is that patients don't really realize or they don't know what to expect when they come to PT. And therefore, when they go to a therapist who may not be as good as another therapist, they don't know it. And so they say, well, PT didn't work for me. Well, it's not the PT didn't work for you. It's that the bad therapist didn't work for you. You have to get a good therapist, a good therapist who's going to touch you first of all. And obviously that was a challenge with the pandemic because we had to continue to touch our patients. Um, wearing gloves can be, you know, a, you know, take away the personal experience a little bit sometimes, but obviously we had to do that at, at certain times doing soft tissue with gloves on is tough. As I said, there's more than one way to skin a cat, but you have to be with a therapist who's going to listen, identify your problems, touch you, um, and also empower you to to do your own work too. We can't wave a magic wand and get you better. You you have to participate.
1: So. So in a facility, like, I could be, like, working out my my shoulder or something, and there's somebody else in that same space that's, like, working out something else, like a gym? Or is it, like, a individual, like, areas?
0: Depending on the size of the clinic. So the larger clinic where there's three therapists working might have, you know, three or four or five people in there all at the same time. We keep everybody distanced. Now, yeah, of course. Do, right. Or we, you know, that's the thing with, with PT is, is a lot of times there's a big social component too because, you know, you might be working on your shoulder and I'm working on my knee and we're you know we're next to each other talking, you know, so there's a big social aspect as well. But we did have to distance people a lot more, to, you know, to separate people, um, you know, to treat a lot less people in the same amount of time, you know, spread those clients over over several hours whereas we could have busier times before.
1: This episode is brought to you by Invisible Health Technologies. At Invisible Health Technologies, we believe that nothing is more important than our safety and security at work and in our communities. To achieve this, we implement groundbreaking technologies that play a vital role in helping us create cleaner, safer spaces for ourselves, our employees, and our children. With cutting-edge health and safety technologies, we keep organizations safe in today's new normal. Prepare your business for the future today by contacting us at InvisibleHealthTechnologies.com. What I speak about sometimes is about like these sort of three bands of of response to a pandemic, because of course, nobody we know, you know, uh, has really ever done this before. So you had like a band of people that were like kind of ignoring it. You had a big band in the middle of people who were taking it seriously and doing precautions and trying to kind of get on with it, Right. And then you have a, a band, sort of uh, a lower band of people, a smaller band, I should say, of really sort of traumatized folks. And I, we probably both know people like that, even right now, who are like really not willing to sort of go into public. And if they do, it's like a scary thing. And that's for any number of reasons. They may be like health compromised. Uh, they may just be sort of a skittish personality or whatever. Whatever that portion is of the population represents a portion of your customer base as well, right? Correct. Correct. So you have to like cater to their concerns and make them feel comfortable
0: and that's the thing is i would say of your you know very good breakdown there the people that were most challenging to deal with were the ones who, who wanted to ignore that anything was going on because they wanted to come in the clinic and not wear a mask and not socially distance and you know those were the most difficult the third the group that you said either came into the clinic with gloves on, with a mask on, with a face shield on, you know, they were basically covered head to toe. um, And we would keep them very distant. We would also give them times when there were, you know, hardly anybody else, if not, if, if absolutely nobody at all, if we could do that, or if they were still, you know, because whether rational or irrational, it's very real to them. So you, you have to make sure that, you know, they're comfortable because they're not going to progress well in therapy if they're not comfortable in their, in their space. So telehealth was a great option for those people as well, if you could not get them in. So, but the most challenging people were the ones who just came in and said, I'm not going to wear a mask, but we just declined them service. We said, I'm sorry, if you want to stay and you need to wear a mask. And if you're not going to wear a mask, then we're not going to treat you.
1: Wow. Is there a system for physical therapy for telehealth or can you just use a off the shelf, like a zoom or something for those sessions? No,
0: the problem with zoom, FaceTime, all that kind of stuff is it's not secure and HIPAA compliant. So we had actually an app called fizzy that provided us a telehealth platform. And now, you know, that fizzy app is working great now, but back in April and May of last year when it was really new, And, you know, thankfully, we had already been testing it out for a couple of months. So we just got lucky. We were very well prepared because we had tested it. But, you know, due to the volume of people that all of a sudden started using this application, uh, you can understand how slow and sometimes it would crash and have connection problems. And I mean, just like you and I today, all of a sudden, you know, we, we had to, you know, jump on Zoom and then jump on a different app. You know, and you're also talking about technology issues, you know, a 70 or an 80 year old who might not even be on email has a problem with the technology of getting on their computer or iPad or whatever the situation is. Just like you said, we don't have any historical data on this stuff. So we made it up as we went and we did a fairly good job of doing that. But, you know, we obviously had our challenges along the way.
1: Based on all your experience so far, and it sounds like you spooled up the sort of telehealth, maybe you know, quickly, right? Yes. Uh, In order to save the patients and to save the business, right, to continue the business, what things are you doing now, March of two thousand twenty-one, that you think will actually, you know, exist into the future for your business? You know, I'm sure that there are some things that we'd all like to get rid of, right? But there's other things that may survive.
0: Yeah, I mean, telehealth, I think, is here to stay. You know even if you look at the stock market and the telehealth companies that are out there they've done very well on the market and have continued to do well even though telehealth has decreased immensely over the last six eight months but i think telehealth is there for physical therapy it's more challenging for a doctor's visit it's a little bit different because you know they can check in real quickly with a patient um you know sometimes you still nothing beats the face-to-face experience and being able to touch a patient but we still do a small percentage of telehealth and i think telehealth will always be there like for example say i'm treating you and you have to go out of town for business and you're going to be gone for a couple of weeks you might not have access or even want to try a new pt in the location where you're at so we could set up some telehealth visits while you're traveling you know at the end of the day you pop on and we can go over how you're doing and you know if if it is a shoulder like reaching in overhead bins to grab luggage and that kind of stuff can irritate so there's different things that we can talk about. We can give you bands while you're away. So the telehealth platform is definitely here to stay. You know, we've always cleaned clinics very aggressively, um, especially around flu season and stuff. So that's no change from the past and probably won't be a change forward. I could see us probably wearing masks, especially during flu season, just because we've seen a big drop in illness, both in, in patients and in staff. You know, they're not getting those... You know the secondary common cold and the regular flu and that kind of stuff so i could see some mask wearing i think if people were responsible and wore masks when they were sick then the rest of us wouldn't have to wear masks going forward i could see that changing other than that you know i think we've also gained some market share by growing some relationships with both patients and 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 doctors and because we've been there and we care a lot and we deliver high quality care and we also keep people comfortable in the space. So there's been some changes that were here just because of the necessity of the pandemic, but I don't think too much will stay, but I think that the telehealth platform will be the biggest change, you know, going forward.
1: We haven't spoken too much about the employees, the staff, the physical therapists in the practice. How are they doing? Were they skittish to continue the work that they were doing with which does require touch or were they have they been sort of like you know resilient uh in the face of of the challenges
0: well i would i would say that you could place the staff into those three same categories that you would place the people um and we did furlough we had to furlough um you know, a large group of people because we just didn't have work to do, but we, you know, we paid out vacations and, you know, we really took care of our staff quite a bit, paid out healthcare and paid, you know, paid healthcare a hundred percent. And, you know, we, we, I'd say we went above and beyond for the employees. And some of them self-furloughed. The people who were in that higher risk population might say, you know, if they had an immune deficiency or something and they said, well, I want to self-furlough. You know, we gave people the option. We kind of went from top to bottom and we said, this is the amount of people that furloughed and, and we would go from person to person. And if somebody wanted to furlough, they were welcome to step up and say, I'm going to furlough. And then we would slowly bring them back as the business came back. Every employee had different views on this, just like everybody else in the world did. And we've done very well with managing that. But I think the employees overall have been pretty happy. The problem was just no, very little vacation because if you're, if you're going down to bare bones on staffing, you're just staffing enough to treat what you do have. And then as it grows back up, so we, did, we had a decent amount of you know, vacation that was, was not taken. And of course, now as we're winding down, People need a break, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, so we got a tremendous amount of vacations to take care of.
1: What's your outlook for, like, as you guys come out of this, I don't, I mean, you don't have to give out any like sort of uh, proprietary business stuff, but like, how are you guys doing now? And what's your sort of like, do you expect to just be back to 2019 levels and then some, you know, moving forward or what, what, like, how does it affect your business?
0: It's interesting because we've had some clinics who have already come out of this and are even above 2019 numbers. Um, There's other clinics who have struggled um, and haven't come back as quickly, and there's other clinics who are pretty much right at their 2019 levels. You know, why that is, is, you know, we could probably talk for hours about that and there'd be theories and, and different things. You know, we can put our finger on a few things, but there's also some intangibles that you can't identify. The doctors are extremely busy right now. The elective surgeries have come back. The referrals are starting to pour in the doors. But obviously, we still are in a pandemic. We can't forget that. And granted, all of our, you know, all of the the people that work for us who wanted to be vaccinated are vaccinated, you know, because we were in that kind of second wave of the first wave because we weren't weren't COVID facing. We were the non-COVID facing um, healthcare workers. And now, you know, our elderly clientele, most of them have finished their second shot now and some of the others are starting to get shots. So, I mean, as we start to get more and more vaccinations out there, we're, we're going to continue to grow. You know, I think we're, we're positioned very well in the industry right now and we've, we've weathered the storm and the worst is behind us. Um, but I don't think we're back to, you know, as you said, redesigning normal. I mean, we're certainly not back at normal. And what is normal? I mean, we're always, we're always, there is never any normal. We're in constant change and flux.
1: In your time in this industry, how many years? 27. 27 years. There's been changes along the way the whole time. Oh, yeah. Right. The way, the way you did things 25 years ago is not the same as the way you do things now.
0: Not even close.
1: <laughs> and this represents just a maybe another shift, maybe a slightly accelerated shift to some other things. Maybe, maybe cleaning is is more I don't know more rigorous than it used to be. I, I'm just making up, but like change is inevitable. Some other folks that I speak with on this podcast, like some people in education and in hospitality, basically say the same thing: like things are changing. This may represent like a bit of an accelerated change towards a couple things, but we're used to that and we can do more than one thing at a time.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, like the new normal, I I think we're in new normal all the time. If you could do a, you know, a line of how we're changing, we just got a big blip on the last year but we're continuing to change, you know, what it, obviously it's not a linear pattern, but We're constantly changing. We're constantly trying to improve. If you're not trying to improve and get better and do continuing education and change your approach and, you know, analyze how you do things and what can be done better and how you can improve customer service in your, in your patient care. If you're not doing all that stuff on a regular basis, then you're not heading in the right direction. So we had a lot of forced change over the last year. And some of it was good and some of it will probably go away. But, you know, there were there's definitely positives that came out of this.
1: As a physical therapist, do you go to like parties and people are like, hey, uh, by the way, like my shoulder, like are people constantly asking you like questions that, that you're supposed to be getting paid for?
0: When people hear you're a PT. uh it's just, I mean, and they all start with the same line. Well, I don't mean to ask you about this. It's like, well, you're about to, so you might as well not say it and just go right into it. But yes, there you get a ton of questions, and you know, do the, you the do- default, the oh.
1: default answer is like you should be stretching after running, right? Like that isn't that the thing?
0: Foam rolling, stretching, exercising on a regular basis. I mean, there, we we could go on and on on that soapbox.
1: That is funny. I mean, cause I, cause I work in technology I and I end up getting like everybody asking me like how to fix that email problem, you know, like, or like, yes. Okay. All right. Here's how you do it. You know, it's just funny that, that, that comes out of everywhere. It comes from family, right? It comes from friends.
0: Well, it's funny with family. It's kind of like, you know, the prophet in his own land, you know, it's my, my sister would be like, well, my shoulders bother me. And I'd go to work on her. Well, you're hurting me. It's like, well, that's what happens. Like, you know, we, it, the PT not painless, but then she doesn't want me to work on her because it hurts. So she needed therapy a few years ago, and I had to refer to one of my therapists who doesn't hurt anybody. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, thank you very much for this awesome conversation and just letting me understand more about your industry and about how you guys have responded to COVID-19.
0: Yeah, my pleasure, Andrew. It's been a pleasure talking to you.
1: I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Redesigning Normal podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast and share this episode with your network. This episode is brought to you by Invisible Health Technologies. At Invisible Health Technologies, we believe that nothing is more important than our safety and security at work and in our communities. To achieve this, we implement groundbreaking technologies that play a vital role in helping us create cleaner, safer spaces for ourselves, our employees, and our children. With cutting-edge health and safety technologies, we keep organizations safe in today's new normal. Prepare your business for the future today by contacting us at InvisibleHealthTechnologies.com.